Well, you're there, Luke chapter 1. Begin with verse 5. If you're there, say amen. <clears throat> the Bible says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well struck it, stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he was executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw it, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel of the Lord said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And tonight I want to minister a message simply entitled, Coming from the Words, of the angel, most likely Gabriel, to Zacharias in verse 13, fear not, your prayer has been heard. <laughs> oh, glory to God. The Lord laid this scripture upon my heart several weeks ago, and in prayer for tonight's message, the Lord put this, kept echoing this passage of scripture over and over in my spirit. Fear not. Your prayer has been heard. And you'll have to excuse my voice tonight. I almost shouted it out yesterday in Bro Bridge. But God, God wants you to know tonight that you have no reason to fear because God, your God, your loving Father has heard your prayer. And he wants you to know that if he has heard your prayer, that means God is going to answer that prayer in his time. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come before you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And God, we just thank you, Lord, for the anointing and the moving and operation of your Holy Spirit. Lord, there's nothing like the anointing. There's nothing like your presence. And Lord, we just ask you for your anointing to rest upon me to speak but Lord, upon us to receive. And we ask the Lord by your spirit, you would make the word real to us, God. For it's only by your spirit that your word is made real. And Lord, we ask it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The ministry of John the Baptist was one of the most remarkable ministries that God ever gave to an individual. If you think about it, God gave to John the Baptist the ministry of introducing and preparing the way for the Messiah. Think about the magnitude of that ministry. Think about the magnitude of him being in that place that God gave him that privilege and God gave him that responsibility of ushering in the Messiah, ushering in the Christ to this earth. From what we know about John the Baptist, his ministry only lasted for approximately six months. Think about that, 30 years of preparation for about six months of ministry. 
Again, 30 years of preparation for six months of ministry, but oh, what six months of ministry they were. <laughs> you see, if, if you want to be used of God, you better get ready for God to prepare you or you to be prepared by God. You have to be ready for that preparation process. And sometimes when you and I are in that preparation process, we, we can feel like that little piece of dirt that's placed in that oyster shell. And we feel like we're hidden and nobody knows about what's going on on the inside. No one can see that calling of God that we can feel so passionate about on the inside. But you see, we are just like that little piece of dirt in that oyster shell. Because it takes time, and it takes friction. It takes God depositing into our life. But after a time, at an appointed time, oh, hallelujah, at a time, at an appointed time, God's going to open up that shell. And you ain't going to be a piece of dirt anymore. You're going to be a beautiful jewel, a beautiful pearl in the kingdom of God that God can use. Oh, glory to God. If you want to be used by God, then you have to be prepared by God. And John the Baptist is a perfect example of that. And again, even though his ministry only lasted for about six months, Jesus said of him that he was the greatest prophet to ever live, that was ever born to the greatest prophet to ever live because he had that privilege and responsibility to prepare the hearts of Israel for the coming of the Messiah. And one of the things about John the Baptist's life and ministry that I think that we can glean from so much is this, that when the Jews, when the Pharisees in Jerusalem sent messengers to him, and as Brother Donnie mentioned this morning, God didn't call John the Baptist to the high elite. He didn't call John the Baptist to go into the city of Jerusalem, but he brought him out into the wilderness but as the word got out, people came into the wilderness to hear the word of the Lord. And when the, when the Pharisees from Jerusalem sent messengers to John, they asked him, what do you say about yourself? Who do you say you are? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet that Moses talked about? Who are you? And John's response is one of the most awesome, I think, in human history. His response was this, I am a voice. <laughs> I am a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, John the Baptist could have said so many things about himself at that very moment, but he didn't. What he said, all I am is just a voice. I'm just a voice. I'm just a vessel that God's using, and I'm making straight the way of the Lord. You see, if it is true, and it is true, that God is raising up ministries just like this, just like Jimmy Swaggart Ministries, that God has raised up, just like Sun Life Radio, that God has raised up. If that is true, and it is, to be a voice like John the Baptist in these last days, then our testimony has to be the same. Oh, all the glory goes to God. All the glory goes to Jesus. Who are we? We're just a voice. Oh, who are we? We're just a voice. 
We're just a voice crying in the wilderness. Who are you? You're just a voice crying in the wilderness. Getting people ready for the coming of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Preaching the message of the cross. Getting people ready for the coming of Jesus. So who are you? I'm just a voice. All the glory goes to God. Hallelujah. You know, John's testimony was this as well. He said in John 3 and verse 30, his testimony was this, that I must decrease, but he must increase. I must decrease, but he must increase. And in these last days, that must be our testimony. Corporately and individually, I must decrease, but he Jesus must increase. Hallelujah. You know, the, 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 when we look at the, this passage that we have read today, one of the most remarkable events about the life of John the Baptist actually took place before his ministry ever began, and it took place in his birth. See, John the Baptist was only one of two people in the Bible that were born to parents that the Bible describes like it reads, in verse seven, to parents who were well stricken in years. Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah, Abraham being 100 years old, Sarah being 90 years old. John the Baptist was born to parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth, we don't know exactly how old they were, but they were probably in their 70s maybe, or maybe even higher than that. The Bible says, and the King James says, they were well stricken in years, which that's just the King James way of saying they were real old. Sometimes we, well, I won't mention names, but we, we joke sometimes, and we, uh, some of the pastors, we, we, we quote from, from Joel chapter two or Acts chapter two. The Bible says in the last days, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. You see, if Zacharias and Elizabeth were here today, they were so old, they would be living the dream. And I'll just leave it at that. But they were well stricken. They were well stricken in years. You see, we learn several things about God, I believe. We've learned several things. We can draw out several things out of the birth of John the Baptist in this passage. And one of them is that God still performs miracles. God still performs miracles in this age of therapy and technology and medicines and psychobabble and humanism. God still performs miracles. God hasn't changed. It's our faith that has changed. It's our faith that is weaned and gone to the wayside, but God still performs miracles today. He's a miracle-working God. You see, in this passage, it was beyond the natural possibility for Zacharias and Elizabeth to have a child, but God, but God. I said, but God. It is beyond, I believe, the natural possibility for Sun Life Radio and the message of the cross, this ministry to go around the world to the magnitude that God wants it to be around the world, but God. 
Hallelujah. But God, he still performs miracles in these last days. And you know what God, I believe, still wants to stir up? In his children in these last days, he wants to stir up a, a bulldog tenacity of faith that we believe in Jesus, that we believe in his word, that we hang on to the cross and we don't let go. But we believe that God still performs miracles. We see that in this passage. Another thing we learned from this passage is that God always honors righteous living. He honors righteous Living, God will bless the man and the woman, the boy, the girl who walks righteously before him. And you see, in God's own testimony, we see this in verse 6. In God's own testimony, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were both righteous before God. They were walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. It says they were blameless. But get this tonight, that their obedience to the old covenant was just simply a result of their lifestyle of faith in God and the coming Redeemer. Their righteousness didn't come from the old covenant law. It came from God. It came through the coming Redeemer, which was still future for them. The Bible says that they walked righteously. And one of the things that we can learn from this passage is that God blesses the righteous. Those that walk righteously before him, he will bless them. Get this today, and I think you know this, I'm preaching to the choir somewhat tonight. But our righteousness doesn't come through our performance. It doesn't come through our good works. It doesn't come through any work of our own. It comes by faith alone in Jesus Christ and what he did for us at Calvary. All the glory be to God. Our righteousness only comes from one way. It comes through our faith in Jesus. It comes through our dependence on what he did for us at Calvary. But get this, God's design is described in Romans 1.17. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And as you and I live by faith in the finished work of the cross, and we are receiving his his righteousness in our life, and his righteousness, conditionally speaking, is operating in our life, and our faith is anchored in the cross. Watch out, because God is going to bless. What his blessing is, is, is in his hands, but he will bless the child of God that's living righteous before him, that is receiving the righteousness of God by faith in Christ and him crucified alone. He will bless. You know what? That ain't some, that's not a possibility. That's a guarantee. It's going to happen. And you and I won't have to chase after blessing, but rather the blessing will chase after us. I said, you and I won't have to chase after the blessing, but the blessing will chase after us. Not because of our works, but because of his mercy and his grace that he's pouring out on his own. Oh, glory to God. We learn that from this passage. And another thing we learn from this passage is that God remembers his covenant. God remembers his covenant. And Brother Donnie mentioned this, and I, I was like, man, Lord, he's, he's preaching the same message I'm going to be preaching, Lord. 
But at the time of this angelic visitation to Zacharias, as Brother Donnie mentioned this morning, there had been no open vision. There was no word from a prophet of the Lord for 400 years. I'll tell you what, 400 years is a long time, by the way. For 400 years, there had been no recorded word from God, no prophet of the Lord standing up saying, thus saith the Lord. No word from God being spoken for 400 years from Malachi, the prophet, all the way to the time of John the Baptist. It was like God's voice was silent. Many times that period, the intertestament period, is called the silent years because, again, there was no prophet of the Lord speaking the word of God. And you know what? Because of God's silence, if I could refer to it as that, because there was no word from a prophet, it, put, it was putting Israel in a place that when God's prophet did come on the scene, namely John the Baptist, Israel would be in a place of spiritual desperation. Hear that tonight. Why so long a time where God was speaking through a prophet? I believe that one of the reasons why is because it was putting Israel in a place that when God did come on the scene with his prophet, when God did speak through a man, John the Baptist, that Israel would be in a place of just spiritual desperation, that their ears would be open and they would receive, thus saith the Lord. Now we know this, that Israel closed their ears to God's voice. And many actually knew that God was speaking, but they didn't like what God was speaking. Many people can hear the word of God, and it's not that they're hearing, it's just that they don't like what God is saying. And there's even people today, many today, who are hearing, thus saith the Lord, and they know it's the word of God, but they don't like what God is saying. They don't want to hear the message of the cross because it does not line up with what they've been taught. And it will cause them to have to step out of their tradition. It will have to cause them to maybe even step out of their denomination. It will, have to, it will cause them to have to publicly acknowledge that they were wrong. You see, that's the position that, that put the Pharisees in of old. They were put in a position where they had to realize that they were wrong. See, it takes a man, a real man of God, it takes a real woman of God to acknowledge that they've been going the wrong direction. Hear that tonight. It takes a real man, it takes a real woman of God to acknowledge, you know what? I've heard God's word. I have heard the truth, but I was going the wrong direction. But now I've heard the truth and I'm going to go the right direction. I'm going to follow the truth. I'm going to follow the cross. I'm not a wooden beam, but I'm going to follow the finished work of Calvary. That's the object of my faith. That will be my focus from this point on. Not psychology, not the idol of self, not the egotism of the church world today, but Christ and him crucified alone. Mm, that's good. God remembers his covenant. You see, God hadn't spoken for 400 years. You know, for in, our own, in our own lives, personally, whenever you and I feel like God is silent, in reality, God 
really is never silent because we always have his word. You get that? We have his word. Oh, thank God for his word. So God really is never silent, but in our own personal life, in prayer, and in that own personal communion with God, when it seems like God is not speaking to us, oh, we're speaking everything to God, but he ain't speaking a lick to us. You ever felt like that before? Like your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. And sometimes we can go through seasons like that, that we feel like God is being silent. And sometimes those seasons can last for quite a while. But you see, whenever we feel like God is silent, really what that is is a test of our faith. Will we still believe in him? Will we still trust him even though God is not speaking to me right now? Or at least I feel like he's not speaking to me right now. Will I still trust him? Will I still walk by faith even though I'm feeling this, this attack or, the, or this, this discouragement, you see, because whenever we feel as a child of God, like God is being again silent to us, discouragement can set in. And that hopeless feeling can set in at times. That weakness can set in at times. But thank God that God's word will always come through right on time. Hallelujah. And that's what we see that happened in the minister or this, in, in this event that we've read today. See, what is so awesome about this passage and the fact that God remembered his covenant was the, was the name or the, the, uh, the, the, the significance of the meaning of their names. You see, God remembered his covenant. After 400 years of no prophet, what, what, what? God remembered his covenant. You see, I don't think it was any coincidence at all that God just happened to show up one day to a man by the name of Zacharias, who just happened to be married to a woman named Elizabeth, who would bear a child to a son in their old age by the name of John. It wasn't just coincidence. It wasn't just happenstance. You know why? Because the name Zacharias means the Lord remembers. Oh, get that tonight. Zacharias means the Lord remembers. His wife's name, Elizabeth, means the covenant of God. The Lord remembers his covenant. Oh, glory. The Lord remembers his covenant. And what did God do? He sent grace. Because the name John means the grace or the favor of God. God remembered his covenant and God sent grace. God wants us to know tonight. He wants you to know here that are here at Family Worship Center, those watching by the internet, listening by radio, that God remembers his covenant and God is going to give you the grace. That grace is there. He will give you his grace that you have need of. He hasn't forgotten you. Oh, thank God for that. The last thing I want to deal with that we can draw out of this passage of Scripture is the main thing I want to deal with tonight, and it's simply this, that God answers prayer. God answers prayer. <laughs> the, pro, or the angel Gabriel, most likely it was Gabriel, the angel, as it records in this passage, as Zacharias was there in the, in the, in the holy place, tending to the altar of incense there, 
It says that the angel stood on the right side of the altar and he said to Zacharias these words, Zacharias, fear not. Your prayer has been heard. Fear not, Zacharias. Your prayer has been heard. You see, in this passage of scripture that we read tonight, it was Zacharias' time to minister in the temple. From what we know about Jewish tradition, most, most of the time, uh, people that were in Zacharias' position, there were, there, were, there were thousands and thousands upon uh, priests in that time, and, and the priests would normally only get one time possibly in their life to get to minister in the temple as Zacharias did here. And here it was, Zacharias, an older man, and the lot fell upon him to serve in the holy place. It was his moment in life. It was what he looked forward to for so long. And here he was in the temple of God, tending to the altar of incense. And this angel shows up on the right side of the altar, the right side is not really significant for us, but in Jewish tradition and Jewish thought, the right side was the side of atonement. And the angel shows up, and again, he tells Zacharias, Zacharias, fear not. Your prayer has been heard. See, one of the greatest attacks of the enemy against you and I as God's children is the, is the, the attack of fear. In this passage, it tells us in verse, uh, verse 12 that when Zechariah saw the angel, he feared he was troubled. And that's one reason I believe the angel told him, fear not. But I tell you, for our sake, in regards to application, sometimes when it feels like our prayers are not being answered, fear can settle in. Fear is one of the most, one of the most diligent attacks, or the enemy is so diligent in attacking the child of God in the realm of fear. Fear, fear, things looking as if they're going to result in a certain way, but in reality, that's not what's gonna happen at all. A false appearance, a false experience or whatever, appearing real, something that looks real, something that looks as if it's going to be devastating, but in reality, it's not what God is going to do at all. It is fear. You know, the, 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 the enemy of our soul, the devil, will throw things in our life that will cause us to fear. But always remember this, God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He has given us the Holy Spirit that urges us to believe in God, that urges us to trust in Christ, to not give up. And that word that God spoke to Zacharias many years ago is a word that God speaks to us tonight. Child of God, don't fear. Don't Fear. Some of you have been trembling on the inside. You're worried. You're filled with anxiety. You want to pull your hair out and pull other people's hair out. You're stressed out. You're too stressed to be blessed. God wants you to know tonight you have no reason to fear at all. Oh, Hallelujah. You have no reason to fear at all. If you trust in your God, if you trust in Christ, God knows where you're at. 
He knows that you are but flesh. He knows your infirmities. He knows your weaknesses. But God has still got you right in the palm of his hand. Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. You see, fear, we fear when we get our eyes off of God. We, we fear when we get our eyes off the truth. When we put our eyes on a lie. We fear when we get our eyes on ourself rather than Christ Jesus. Take your eyes off the problem. Take your eyes off yourself and put it on God. Put it on the Lord Jesus Christ. You are his child, and again, there's no reason to fear. He said, fear not. Why? It's because your prayer has been heard. I think those are one of the, some of the most awesome words in all the Bible. Your prayer has been heard. From what we can tell, I believe, from this passage, is most likely Zacharias and Elizabeth, again, well-stricken in years. We don't know how old they were, but they were way past the age of childbearing. And at that age, they had most likely stopped praying and stopped asking God for a child. Who knows how long? That could have been 20 years ago. It could have been 30 years ago that they stopped asking God for a child. From what I can see in this passage, the prayer that's, that, that the angel spoke about was the prayer for a child. And they had, because of the natural circumstances, it was something they even stopped praying about. But get this tonight, that God always hears faith. God hears faith. God hears faith. And even when you and I let go because of the natural circumstances, God hasn't let go. When you and I, based upon what we can see, we, we can think in our mind, well, I guess that's over. I guess it ain't gonna happen. Get this tonight. If it's the will of God, even if you and I let go because of the circumstances, your God is gonna bring it to pass somehow, some way. Hallelujah. Because God hears faith, and God will always honor faith. I think of Exodus chapter 3 when God called Moses, and Moses had been in the wilderness for 40 years, and the Bible tells us in Exodus 3 and the beginning part of that chapter that God appeared to them out of the burning bush. And God spoke to Moses, and he said to them, said to Moses, I have seen the affliction of my people and I have heard their cry. I have heard their cry. God said this, now I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egypt. Time upon time upon time upon time after time, the Bible is is an ongoing testimony of the fact that God hears the prayer of the righteous, and God will answer in his time. And God wants you to know tonight that God has heard your prayer. Even with things that you have let go of because you've become discouraged because of the circumstances, and you've become limited yourself because you just, you can't see it possibly happening, whatever that thing may be. 
Whatever that issue may be, you become discouraged on the inside. You feel barren on the inside in regards to that issue. And it ain't going to happen. God wants you to know tonight that God, he has heard your prayer. And if he has heard your prayer, he will answer it in his time. You don't have to worry about it. He will answer it in his time. It is our responsibility to just keep living and keep walking by faith. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He has heard our prayer. My God, he has heard our prayer. I will never forget growing up in church in a Christian home and going to Sunday school every once in a while. The Sunday school leader would sing the song, oh, I'll never forget it. God answers prayer in the morning. God answers prayer at noon. Oh, God answers prayer in the evening. So keep your heart in tune. I don't care how my voice sounds, by the way. Now, Brother Dottie, he might, he might stop singing there. God answers prayer in the morning. God answers prayer at noon. God answers prayer in the evening. So keep your heart in tune. You see, the, the truth is this, that God hears our prayer. And he will answer those prayers in his time. I will never forget it. I will never ever forget. In 1991, my first semester here at Bible College, I was singing in the choir. I was up there, almost at the top row of the choir. I wasn't even thinking about my father, my dad on this earth. I wasn't even thinking about him. He's a, he's a Jehovah Witness, been one for almost 30 years. I wasn't even thinking about him. And that day in 1981, as I was singing in the choir, the presence of God came all over me. And he spoke to me about my dad. He put my dad in my spirit. And God spoke to my heart. He said, I'm going to save your dad. And I'm going to use you in part to do it. I will never forget that word. You know what? It's been a long, that's been a long time ago. It's been almost 20 years ago. And you know what, as it concerns his own spiritual condition, the way it seems in the natural, he has gotten farther away from ever accepting Christ as his Savior and Lord. He's gotten farther away from it than ever before. But you know what? God answers prayer. And he will perform his word. Stand to your feet tonight if you would please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when I say those words tonight, and when the Bible says those words, and I think you understand this, but just to reinforce the idea, God never works in our life based on a works righteousness platform. It's not just us just going through the motions and because we spend so much time in prayer that it's like some time clock and all oh, that God has to do it now. God doesn't work that way. But again, the truth is this, that God does honor our simple trust in Him. He does honor our simple trust in Him. And tonight, God knows right where you are at. Some of you have been discouraged because of the natural circumstances of life. Some of you have even stopped praying for things because it seems impossible. You just let it go. 
Oh, that ain't going to happen. But God wants you to know tonight again that you have no reason to fear. He loves you with an everlasting love. I said he loves you with an everlasting love. And he will answer that prayer in his time. You just wait. You continue to trust in him. In his time and his will, he will bring it to pass. For this ministry as a whole, there is land that it still needs to be conquered. There's a whole world that God has sent us to. You know, I believe since, and I forget what year it was, when Brother Donnie, God used Brother Donnie to start the prayer meetings, Tuesday prayer meetings, and it led to the Saturday prayer meetings. And just in the last several months, God has led Brother Dave Borg to start Monday prayer meetings at the Bible College and, and Thursday prayer meetings. I believe that God has called us to a season of prayer. Again, not some works righteousness thing. Not some, just some performance thing. Not a punch your, uh, uh, a spiritual time clock thing. God calls his people to seek his face. Because he's getting us ready. But he's also getting the harvest ready. Jesus said, pray ye. Pray ye. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send our labors into the harvest. He didn't say those words for us just to pass them on by and apply them to somebody else. No, for us. Don't pray out of an attitude of performance. Pray out of an attitude that I've received so much love. I have received so much grace and so much mercy from the Lord. And me communing with God and me petitioning God's face seeking his face it's just a response to his great love for me and i'm just responding with grace and love back to him hallelujah father right now we just thank you lord that god as your word says your ears are open to our cry and lord in your time and your will you will answer lord i'm asking you god tonight to encourage your people encourage them lord those that are weary and those that are so tired of the inside and discouraged, I'm asking you tonight, Lord, right here, and by the internet and by the radio, Lord Jesus, pick them up tonight. Embrace them tonight, Lord. Encourage your people tonight, Lord Jesus. Fill them with joy. Fill them with your love and with your peace. Knowing that, God, you're going to work it out. You've heard. You've heard our cry unto you. Oh, God, do it tonight, I pray. And Lord, we say it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you'd like to come to the altar, you're more welcome to. Just spend some time in prayer. God bless you tonight. Well, I can